I wonder what you think of when I say the word peace. What images or people or phrases come to mind? Do you think about world peace, an end to all wars and conflict globally? Do you think about inner peace, an end to conflict and chaos internally? Do you think about hippies in tie-dye t-shirts at Woodstock? Do you think about uh, the Jewish greeting, shalom, peace? Do you think about a bit of peace and quiet when you finally get the kids to bed? I wonder what it is for you. When I hear the word peace, it makes me think of my dad. Um, Not because he's a particularly peaceful person, um, but when when I was younger, when I was in my teens, and when I was really cool, I used, to, I used to use the word peace as a farewell. Um, I'd, I'd head out on the weekend and, and say, peace out, Dad. And he'd say, peace off, Jamie. <laughs> and today, we're going to look at the word peace and discover what the Bible has to say, um, what God has to say about peace. And in particular, we're going to look at a key passage in the book of Isaiah, um, that we often read around Christmas time, so it might be familiar to you. It was actually written about Jesus' birth 700 years before it even took place. And it's in Isaiah 9, and you see that Jesus is referred to as the Prince of Peace. Um, now, when we come to read a prophetic book, I... I think it's helpful to have this illustration in in mind. I didn't come up with this illustration. But when a a prophet's writing, it's almost like like an artist um, that that is painting this beautiful mountain range. And in the painting, you see this collection of mountains, which in reality stretches out for miles and miles and miles into the distance. But in this two-dimensional painting, It looks like they're kind of stacked up on one another. So if you were going to go for a walk from one mountain to the next, uh, you may be deceived by the painting at how far away they actually are. And so in this passage, we read, you're going to hear lots about what's going on in Isaiah's present day um, or the near future from when he's actually writing. And then all of a sudden it jumps to 700 years in, in the future and it talks about Jesus. And then before you know it, it's talking about a time that's in our future. It's yet to even happen right now. And so I think that's helpful to be aware of. And, and as we read this again, see if you can spot those, those time shifts as we read. It says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice In the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. 
He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So why do we need peace? Why do we need peace? That might seem like a really obvious question if you're doing some anxiety or some fear right now. Why do you need peace? Because I'm anxious, because I'm frightened. Why do we need peace? Because war is awful um, and atrocious. But I wonder whether these are almost like symptoms to a deeper problem. So what does the Bible have to say in answer to that question? Why do we need peace? I'll take us back to a few, a few weeks ago. Uh, Jerem talked so brilliantly um, in, our, in our third part of the Origin series on the fall. Um, and I'll, I'll just, I, obviously I can't do his whole 20, 30 minute sermon uh, now, but if I summarize, the fallout of the fall was brokenness and conflict in our relationships with, with creation, with each other, with ourselves, and with God. So why, why, do, we, why do we need peace? Because everything's broken. And therefore, everything needs restoring. And so when we read these verses in Isaiah 9, we get this little insight into the plan of God, of how he's going to bring peace to the world. God's plan to restore all of the brokenness and conflict through the fall was to send his son. He sent his son, and he was actually born as a baby, like a baby, an actual baby. And he lived a life, 33 years, that was perfect, that was completely perfect, without sin, without brokenness, without conflict. It's like we talked about in the fall. And then he took that sin, that sin of the world, and he put it on his perfect shoulders, and I'm talking morally perfect shoulders, not like sculpted deltoid shoulders, his morally perfect shoulders, and he died. He died a death that you and I deserved. And sometimes we just say that so nonchalantly and we just accept it really easily. But because of the brokenness between humans and God and that relationship, that upward relationship, God had every right to send his son as a conqueror to take back this world for himself through brutality and by force. But he came as a baby. He came as a baby, a peaceful saviour. Probably as far, far away from a conqueror that you could get. He chose to come in peace to bring about peace, to bring about restoration of all of that brokenness that came through the fall. He came as a saviour, but he also came as a king. Verse, verse 7 of, of um, Isaiah 9 says, Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his, and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Jesus came to establish a kingdom. It's one of the first things he talks about 
When he begins his ministry in Matthew's gospel, he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come close, has come near. That's Matthew 4, 17. But his kingdom is, is really unlike uh, other kingdoms that we, that we see today. It's not dominating, it's not forceful, it's not questionable, but he's a ruler whose kingdom is founded upon peace. And if you followed the news at all, uh, in, in September, you'd, you'd have heard that we have a new king of England. Um, and you, you know in his title, you know um, that his domain is England. What he rules over is England. But Jesus is the, the prince of peace. He is the king of peace. Jesus' domain is peace. Peace is a description of how he rules peacefully, but it's also why he rules. It's why he came. He has come to bring peace to all of those broken relationships that we talked about before. Peace between us and creation. Peace with each other. Peace, inner peace. And peace with God. He has come in peace to bring peace. And he has come as peace. In this baby, we find a savior and a king whose whose life and whose rule and reign is marked by peace. And that kingdom of peace will be upheld forever, like it says in verse 7. So many people in this world want peace and act like it's this kind of ethereal state of being. It's somewhere out there to be discovered I feel like the narrative of the world goes something like this when it comes to achieving peace. It says, try not to be riddled with anxiety, but when you can, with heaps of willpower, some yoga and meditation before bed, present yourselves to people as really peaceful on Instagram. (laughs) But praise the Lord, praise the Lord, that peace is actually a gift from God. Jesus says in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. There's so many, so many references in, in the Bible, in the scriptures, um, about peace. And we, we can't go into every single one, and we won't. But as I come into land, I just want to encourage you Um, with Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 today. And it says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If we, if we know him, then we can know peace. And how about this, this Christmas? We present Jesus, pun intended, we present Jesus to our friends and our families as a saviour, as a saviour and a king who is peace personified. He is peace Personified. Peace is a person. Jesus is the great gift. That's who we're talking about. And so if you know Jesus, you can know peace.
But no Jesus, no peace. And if it's helpful, four things to take away today. He is a peaceful saviour. He is a peaceful king. If you know Jesus, you can know peace. But no Jesus, no peace. (laughs) Peace out. Let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus, I want to thank you so much that you came as a saviour and a king, both of those things together. We thank you that you have come to, to rescue us, but also establish your kingdom of peace forever. Lord, I thank you that we can know you. Lord, I thank you that we can know you relationally, experientially. And Lord, I pray for anyone who is watching right now who needs your peace. I pray, Lord, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, bring them peace. Lord, I pray that you would, um, you would, you would breathe your, your spirit, your peace into them, into their hearts. And Lord, I pray for any people who don't currently know you. And I pray, Lord God, that, uh, I pray, Lord God, that they would know something of your peace in this season and would discover more and want to discover more of you. Lord, we thank you so much. Thank you so much that you are, you are the gift. You are peace personified. Bless you, Lord. We worship you now. In Jesus' name.